Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first in tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First in tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First in tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and this week I am so excited to be joined by managing editor of The Football Girl and contributor to The Guardian, Melissa Jacobs. Melissa talks about her career journey, including her most challenging transition, balancing her home life and her career, and the importance of being open to opportunities because you never know where they may come from. She also shares her favorite moment in sports and the book Every Woman Should Read. This is a really fun episode, so let's get to it. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always fun when I get to have people on that I'm also friends with, so this is a big treat for me. (laughs) It's also fun to be on podcasts where you're friends with the host. So, well, it's a win-win. Everybody, exactly. everybody wins in this one. Um, well, we are going to jump right into this podcast, and uh, which makes sense because we're on a podcast. Uh, I would love for <laughs> you to take us through your career journey to where you are today with the Football Girl, which is obviously an incredible site. You have incredible podcasts of your own, but if you can kind of take us through your journey of how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try. There's a, there's a lot of twists and turns. So I'll try to condense. So I started, um, I started in the Bay Area at KNBR, uh, one of the biggest sports stations in the country. And I, I was actually, it was while I was in college and I was an intern. And I, the only reason that I started there was because I was planning to go to law school, like no question, poli sci major, um, literally registered for the LSAT. I was going to be this trailblazing woman who represented mainstream male athletes. I mean, female athletes as well, but I wanted to be that person. And then I just fell in love with the media side of things so much. Like suddenly I'm, you know, I'm covering San Francisco Giants games and I'm producing radio shows and just getting to tap into that creative side that wasn't really part of my life before then. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put that all on hold, um, full speed ahead. I, I became the executive producer there after a couple of years and then um, was recruited by ESPN because KNBR was one of the biggest affiliates um, and just packed up my life and went to went from the cozy confines of San Francisco to uh, Bristol, Connecticut in like dead of winter. So (laughs) figuring out what like a windshield scraper is and all that stuff. Uh, So I had some shows there. I produced um, Dick and Dick and Jeremy Schaap, actually Dan Levitard sort of at the beginning of of his rise. Uh, We had a four hour weekend show, but I really was enamored by the TV side of things. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the radio side is massive also and has gotten more so at ESPN, but that was like the heyday of Sports Center and I was just like, 
I, I need to be there somehow. So I, you know, ESPN, they have a, a very clear ladder that you're like a temporary uh, production assistant. And then I guess people decide if they keep you and then you kind of go, go up all the rungs. Well, I was sort of like past that a little bit. Um, and my, you know, my, the thing I brought to the table is really booking guests. Like I had done that in San Francisco and just getting like newsmakers and that kind of thing. So I pitched this whole department, which is now the talent production department on the TV side of things. So it was like, instead of, you know, just have this writer react to this, which of course those people like, Always, now I'm a writer, of course, you know, <laughs> add content, like those horrible writers. Why did you talk to them? But <laughs> adding context and analysis. But, you know, sometimes you can have people on and actually break your own news and really, mm-hmm. really blow open stories. Um, so we started doing that. It was successful. And it, 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 I loved it. It was I mean, I loved being there. I loved everything except the fact that it was Bristol, Connecticut. So I went, yeah, I wound up at that point, like, I don't know, what was it? Six years later, basically I crafted or I was hired for another job that was kind of working on all the like fun, fluffy stuff at ESPN, like the ESPYs and and booking like parties and things like that. So I did that for a couple of years and I lived in Washington, D.C. because I actually thought I might want to transition to political news. Uh, okay. then after 10 seconds living there, I realized I did it. I know you have political, you know, background. Yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I lived living in DC. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, we, I actually lived close to Capitol Hill. And I was like, no, it's just not, I can now, not for me. Um, so yeah, so everything, you know, everything's going well with ESPN. I just sort of always had a, an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, it, it was easy. ESPN at that point was, it was hard when I was in Bristol and I'm making my path and I'm thinking about, you know, middle management or where, where's it's going to take me. The, the, the booking parties and stuff. Well, like, it's terrible to tell somebody's entourage of a hundred, like, sorry, you can only bring in 50 people and right. be called all the names of the world. Like pretty easy job, right? Not using a lot of brain power. So I just really got the itch and I, I've always loved football, like always, you know, part of it growing up in the Bay Area, you know, in the, in the heyday of like Steve Young and everything. So um, just like love football, thought that I had something to add, thought there just wasn't really, I, it's gotten better, but I still think these are some issues. There wasn't a market that talked to women like beyond the 101 level, right? right. There, it was just, if you're a woman, you you're in this category and that's how other outlets treated women. That's how the NFL treated women. So I sort of just took, took this approach of I'm going to start something. I actually, it was actually all going to be fantasy football first. Um, but I, I want to offer something to people like me because I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there that are really avid fans of this thing and can talk about it and don't really like you know, going to all these salacious blogs and like, you know, looking at wag galleries and stuff. And I'm just trying to get some NFL analysis. So I started the football girl and I, I didn't, you know, unlike you, Tracy, I'm not like, you know, this brilliant business mind, right? Oh, so, that is a very nice compliment. I also true, don't know that I am. You're awesome. Mind. But I, I was just kind of like, I know that I know, I know I'm creative. I know I can produce and you can do all this too. I just mean that this was the only skill that I had. 
So um, I know I can produce content that resonates and splashy and is di- you know different. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of started doing that without a real plan. And ter- I just said, I know if I do good work, like good things will happen mm-hmm. and that it'll all start to make sense. So yeah, so I started it and then, you know, the good things started happening. And like very quickly I was um, offered to, I, I was one of the original contributors to ESPNW and I've just had like sort of this weird bevy of consistent opportunities that have stemmed from the football girl, although including, um, I guess I should mention being the NFL editor at, at, at SI mm-hmm. um, a few years ago when I, now I'm back in Bay Area, but when I lived in New York. So that was interesting. And yeah, all the while, you know, ho- hopefully giving the football girl brand just legitimacy along the way. Oh, Fantastic. That, that was, so that was not as concise as I had intended. I'm sorry. First of all, don't be sorry. Uh, that's why we're here. We want to hear all that. And, <laughs> and I think the thing with this podcast, and, you know, I like to bring this up as often as I can on the pod. It is for women who are sports fans, women who work in sports, and women who want to work in sports. And so I really like for people to share their journey because especially for the young women listening who want to work in sports, it's so important to know that where you start isn't necessarily where you finish and that you never know where opportunities take you and how things can change and and the idea of having an entrepreneurial spirit. So all of that is to say, I'm glad it was not concise because (laughs) I wanted to hear all about it and I know our our listeners do as well. With that in mind, and you you look at the twists and turns that you've taken, where do you feel your most challenging transition was? It was probably starting Football Girl. Actually, it definitely was because I, you know, when you work for a, a corporate media company, like the jobs are there, the paths are there, you have bosses, you you know what you're supposed to do. You, you try to go above and beyond. I recommend that to anyone. You put in mm-hmm. more hours, you create more work for yourself. You do something above and beyond, but you, you kind of like have a general idea. But starting this, especially because again, I'm not the brilliant businesswoman you are. Like <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, I, I kind of took a leap of faith. And mm-hmm. I had been on the corporate, you know, I, I was doing well in the corporate media ladder world, I guess. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know. I just wanted autonomy and, and I kind of wanted to like break open the shackles of, mm-hmm. you know, some, which is I mean, some of the downfall of, of that part, that world. Um, but yeah, just not really knowing where it was going to lead. And, and then, you know, I had always been on the, the behind the scenes side of things. So producing and, you're like, all right, well, if the anchor goes out there on Sports Center and messes up, like that, you know, they look like the idiot, not me. Even if right. like, it was my <laughs> fault. No, I mean that never that never happened ever. But no. uh, but now suddenly, like I'm writing, and are people gonna find typos? And are pe- you know, you're just mm-hmm. a lot more vulnerable when you're putting yourself out there like that. Oh, and now social media, like what am I what what am I gonna be on social media? And like, do people really? do people really give a shit about what I have to say about anything? Like, I think that mm-hmm. was sort of, and then am I going to get people to come contribute to this website and are they going to be viable? And what's, you know, there's just a lot of questions. It was very, I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, it continues to be scary, but you know, at least at this point, there's a, a track record of success, but then I was like, this could just be a complete disaster. And then I have to go, you know, beg ESPN or whomever to let me wipe the floors or something. 
Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad that I'm glad that this is working out because uh, you are very talented, <laughs> and I think we do all like hearing what you have to say and reading what you have to write. So I'm glad this is this is working out. There's a few things to unpack and the things you said. So I'm going to start with this, and then I actually want to move a little bit to social media. But um, early on in your career, you know, within these twists and turns, what was a criticism you received that, though it was tough at the time, and I ask everybody this because I think we get such interesting and varied answers, but those difficult at the time really kind of helped to shape who you are today, professionally and maybe personally as well. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, it, it, unfortunately, I don't always take this advice, but even at KMBR, even my bosses then, and it continued at ESPN, were like, God, you gotta put your phone down when you're not working. Like, you, mm-hmm. got, you, gotta, you gotta chill. Like, you don't have to go to every event just because you can. You don't have to like always be the KMBR producer, the ESPN producer. Like, not that I didn't have other interests because I I did, and I think my bosses would see that in me. Like, you know, especially you know when it came to politics and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was like just don't don't worry. Like like this this radio show. This it's not it's, it's it'll be fine if you're not thinking about it. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I have kids and I have just other built-in distractions where I can't think about my job 100% of the time. But that was re- that's really hard. And, and I think if I were starting over again, I, I feel like I'm saying this advice right now, but I feel like if I was starting over again, I would do the same thing because it's really competitive. And, and you, but, but it does, I think ultimately by, by shutting down, you know, for however many hours or, you know, meditating, doing yoga, doing Peloton with a friend, you know, things like that. Um, I think that just makes you just a better, just makes your mindset better when you're truly in the grind, when breaking news is happening or whenever you need to be really sharp when, when like craziness is happening work-wise. So with that in mind, you brought up social media, which is a whole world in (laughs) itself. And you and I have had discussions about social media, you know, often throughout conversations we've had together because it is a very fine line of making sure you're on top of things and sharing what needs to be shared, but also being able to turn off and take that time. How do you find that balance? And where was there a point where you decided you were going to balance in a certain way or is it continually a work in progress? Yeah. First of all, we should reiterate that you and I talking about social media is me seeing you at 49ers games and being like, here, make my Instagram better. Tracy. <laughs> That's really what it is. But <laughs> Which, by the way, I have so much fun with. So I'm totally <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. I, we need to, I know now with COVID, it's so hard. I haven't seen you on the field in a while, but I, know. Or I didn't see you at training camp this, this, uh, this I know. I think camp. you were, I think you were there like the one or two days I wasn't there. Yeah. No, I didn't go this year. Oh, you didn't go at all. Okay. Well, so there, yeah. then that, that I'm like, it all just seems too complicated. Plus I, I always did my annual interview with Joe Staley on site and that's not happening. And yes. Anymore. Oh, I know. Sad. <laughs> sad. Sad. Maybe you can get one with Trent Williams though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I should, I should start that <laughs> tradition. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those, you know, pick your spots. Like there's a consistent, there, all these scheduling tools are great. And I've, I've at various points in the football girls uh, history, I've hired people. Um, I'll have like, you know, a seasonal employee and, and their primary purpose is just to deal with social media, um, just to, to schedule stuff, come up with, 
weekly things. Cause it's just, it's honestly, it's too hard for one person. Um, when I'm also writing and editing people and doing things beyond the football girl as much as I, and, and I do my best. Like I, you know, I'm, I, I do what, what I can. I could certainly, if I had all the time in the world, I'd be like making YouTube videos, like probably every hour, like, you know, be a little bit more strategic, but I kind of like when it, like Twitter's probably the place that I am most, you know, active and vocal. And it's just, I just try to be authentic there. Um, so even, and I will have periods where I shut my phone off, but I'll also be like, oh, I just had this thought about football or something. And I think it's interesting. And I, not that I want approval for it, but like sometimes you just throw things out in the universe because people, it's just like having a conversation. Like mm -hmm. you say something and people expand or they debate with you. And I'm very, I'm a, I'm a very social being. Like that's the one problem with football girls, like working by myself in my house and like not talking to people that much. Um, and now with COVID it's obviously even worse. So that that's kind of like, even though I, I know I need to turn it off, it's also like an outlet for me. Cause I feel like I, I do, I feel like I have like, like these friends on Twitter. I'm not mm -hmm. in a bar with them, but I'm like, oh, we're talking about things that we would talk about if we were sitting in a sports bar. And that actually energizes me as, as a person and certainly as a professional. But then I, I also understand like, oh, I'm at my kid's baseball game. Like I can't be tweeting right now, nor do I want to. I, I, but yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a balance, but I also know like Sundays are coming and I'm going to be, you know, I'll be tweeting like the entire day. Um, I, maybe not, but I do it only when things strike me. Like I'm not like, oh, it's I haven't tweeted in two hours. I need to tweet now. Like it definitely don't. I think there's some people out there that that actually do think like that. Yes, I but, think that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I just try to be authentic, and I, you know, I just comes. I, I don't have a set like I'm not going to be on my phone from this time to this time. I've, I've tried that stuff, and it just. I, I wish I could, but it doesn't work for my my personality. Well, and I think also there's a few things uh, again to unpack that seems to be my <laughs> phrase of the, my phrase of the day today. But I think you know, on the one hand, in the business we work in, there's breaking news all the time. So it's hard right. to say, well, on Tuesdays from this time to this time, I'm turning my phone off. But y if you missed that, Patrick Mahomes signed a half a billion dollar deal. You need to share that. You need to – or you share your thoughts on it. If you have thoughts on it, you don't want to – you know, you don't want to be missing on those kind of things. So, you know, I think it's hard to set certain times. I think it's a matter of, yes, putting it down and knowing for yourself what that what that balance looks like. But you mentioned also being very authentic and how Twitter is where you feel, you know, you you really are a very authentic – your very authentic self is the phrase I'm working looking for. And mm -hmm. you said the same thing. And I think it was interesting about – if you were more strategic about doing YouTube videos every hour. But I think at the end of the day, none of us have all the time in the world. We all have so many responsibilities. And I think an important lesson for starting a career in sports journalism or in sports, or if you already have that career, is figuring out you are being strategic by not doing that in a way because you're doing what you feel you're best at doing. You're doing your job. You're balancing. And to me, that's strategic. You know, we, we can't all right. be everything. And I think that's something with sports. And that's come up on this podcast a lot. This idea that when people say, well, I just want to work in sports because I love sports. 
But take a moment and think about what are your strengths? What do you love about sports? What is it you like to do? What are other things you like to do that could marry it with sports? Because we can't do all the things all of the time. And YouTube, it's funny that YouTube is when like when we started Fangirl and I was doing a lot of videos, we found like YouTube is not where we shined. I mean, and part of it is I think just like there was a lot of saturation and there was a lot of content, but we did really well on social. So our videos did really well on Facebook. Our sending people to our website from Twitter did well. Our Instagram is where we did well. And that's where we did better. So our videos, everything lives on YouTube because that's how people get to it. But the way they find it isn't YouTube. It's through social media. And so it was finding, okay, then that's, that's where we do better. And that's where our people find us. And so, you know, like for me, I'm better off doing a a game preview on game day in my Instagram live or like in my Instagram story doing a live that gets a lot more views than if I put something together and put it on YouTube and that and it gets the information out there. It's not just about views, but It's just where people want to find me and that's fine. So I think it's important to also kind of know that um, and and be cool with that and just find all of our strengths and and places where we should put our energy because we can't do everything. There's too many things. Like there's just too much to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think you and I are sort of in the same boat as as being entrepreneurs here. Like, do you invest your time in in creating a video for this or this or reacting to this or creating a new graphic or hiring a person to do this, or is this worth Mm -hmm. the money? Is this not? Do I write a deep feature? Do I just write some newsy update? Like, it's just, it's really, I I find it actually a a really fascinating and healthy challenge to to approach each day and really have to figure out. I I think it's a, a good sort of, you know, managerial skill to have when you really are honing in and you know, like, just like you said, you, what, what was working for you, you know, with your videos and what was it? And once you like really are, are figuring that out and can help you fine tune your strategy, it's, it's just very, a very powerful thing. Absolutely. Like you said, where do you put your resources? And we've, you know, made lots of changes. And one thing about being an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you know this, there are certain things, sometimes you start out with your business, you're like, this is where it's going to be, this is going to be the most successful and everyone's going to love this. And sometimes that stuff doesn't work. And especially being an entrepreneur, you have to be able to say at a certain point, okay, you know what, this isn't working and we have to pivot or this isn't working, but this is working. So our focus has to be here and not mm-hmm. trying to keep forcing. And I, that's just an important skill. And I think it's also an important skill, not as an entrepreneur, because if you are working in, in the sports industry or any industry and something you're doing is just not working, this is an industry where you do have to be able to be pivoting and malleable and flexible and things happen and change so fast. It's just an important skill to have. Totally. Totally agree. Um, so you mentioned not tweeting at your son's baseball game. Uh, so, that, <laughs> which is probably easier said this, than done, especially if he happens to ever be playing on a Thursday or Monday at like five fifteen. Um, so, um, what advice though do you have for women who are balancing home life and a career in sports journalism, especially right now, um, where much of the country is homeschooling and there's so many different things happening? What kind of advice do you have for for women in that position? Well, try to make try to get your kids playing fantasy football. What's a start? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, yeah, the oh, I, I I wish I had some grand advice, but these times are tough. And um, 
you know, I'm trying to think what has actually worked for our family. And I'm not sure if there's any answer um, that isn't <laughs> stretching the truth a little bit. I think, I guess I would just say, and I, I, again, this is something I have to, to work on just not putting too much pressure on yourself. Just mm-hmm. Again, it's prioritizing like like today are are my kids getting their little, you know, distance learning assignments done and I have to make sure that happens before I can delve into this feature I want to write. Maybe just understanding that you have to just change the times that you're going to do things, your your schedule and and you know, certainly working moms during COVID, everybody knows this. Everybody's schedule has just been ripped apart and um yeah, it just it is what it is. But yeah, I, I think it's it's adjusting expectations and being okay with that and knowing that everyone else out there is probably accomplishing a little bit less when they're also trying to balance their kids A being in the house and also mm-hmm. doing school. How has COVID affected your life professionally? And I think you just touched on on personally, but how has it affected your life professionally? Well, I've had, I had some uh, plans, <laughs> some, <laughs> some expansion plans. Some of it, I will say, rooted in uh, youth sports, creating a youth sports outlet. Well, there's not really youth sports anymore, mm-hmm. at least for now. So those plans have all been tabled. Um, and then other than that, it's just, again, yeah, it's the hours of the day and, and how much productivity. I, I do find it interesting and again, this is, I don't want this to come off as a resentment toward anyone who, who doesn't have, have children or, but I, the amount, you know, I do think a lot and I would never trade my life for, for anyone's, but I'm like, what would it be like now? Like if I couldn't go to bar, if I was single, I couldn't go to bars. I couldn't like go to movies. Like I would, if I were home, like, would I be more productive? Because I did like, if I didn't have these built in, like heavy responsibilities, like making sure my kids you know, mental health is okay and that they're doing school. And I don't know, like, I'd like to think yes, but I'm, I'm not sure because maybe it's just, yeah, I mean, everyone's being affected no matter your situation. There's, you know, mental health things going on with COVID. And I mean, it's just, you know, everyone has their own situation. Um, but yeah, so it, I guess it's just not being as productive is the bottom line as I would like. And there's a lot of things like I want to pitch or I want to create or graphics I want to make. And and it's just, it's had to be uh, tapered down a lot more than I would like, ideally. And I, I think you're right in that everyone probably is feeling that and, you know, being less productive and kind of fine, maybe. And it's, I mean, I don't even mean so much as less productive as just having to taper down. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, having to be a little bit more realistic with ourselves and our expectations on what we can do because a lot of this is out of our control. Um, in fact, all of it is out of our control yeah, because you and, I, exactly. you and I are not scientists nor doctors, um, which is probably, for me, in my case, best for everyone involved. But this <laughs> is, you know, very much out of our control at the moment. So I think it's also, and, and you mentioned me- mental health, and I think it's really important for all of us to be kind to ourselves and give ourselves a break. And there may be days where you wake up and you're like, I just can't today. And that's okay. That's kind of part of COVID and giving yourself that break and and all of it. And 
getting done what you can get done and need to get done. But just knowing that we are, like you said, everyone is in the same boat, you know, in, in all of the situations. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a tough time. So that was, um, yeah. thank you for and, sharing that. And, you know, I have to say, that's been one of uh, my favorite things about social media. When I'm kind of feeling down on myself in terms of work-wise, just be like, I've just literally been refreshing um, you know, COVID rates all day. And now I'm anxiety ridden. I can't focus to, to write this thing I'm supposed to write. And then, you know, I, I know it's not just me, right. But then you go on social media and you're like, all these people that I respect are all basically yelling it into the world. Like same here. Like I can't do my newsletter today. I can't do this. And, you know, I think even though we're all in different situations, some kids, some don't, some this, some people know people with COVID, some people had it. But like, I think there's sort of a simpatico that every person has. And I, I think a lot of people have been really open about how this has affected their mental health. And I, I think that that's been really healthy for everyone to know we're not alone. Absolutely. And it, it's kind of changed social media in a way because I feel like it used to be everyone always just put the best of everything on social mm. media. And I do think that COVID has put a little bit of a more realistic spin um, on social media, which is, is a good thing. Totally. You know, I think it's, it's important for us to be honest and to feel like, you know, people are going through the same things that I, I think there's, especially right now, we all need that. Um, yeah. All right, well, changing gears a little bit, uh, back to a little bit of the work you've done and the meat of that. Can you tell me the most difficult story you've had to cover and then the most fun story you had to cover? Or maybe the not had to cover, but cover. The most, okay. The, in terms of difficult, I, I I can't think of anything more so than the, the Kaepernick saga. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I that was when I, when, when he first kneeled, I guess, what, four years ago, mm-hmm. I was um, just starting out at SI. And, uh, you know, not that I was alone, but I knew right away. I'm like, this guy is not, this guy is not disrespecting the military. Like he just said right. it literally, like it's so clear. And like, it's, it's actually uh, in, in a lot of, well, I'm still kind of seeping in his message. It's like, yes, the flag does not represent the same thing to everybody. And that's okay. And I put that in a column um, at SI and I, I, you know, and I know, you know, I've, I write things that are, quasi, I guess, controversial. That's a thing that I do. Um, but <laughs> the death threats just call, you know, just, just, just that I, I didn't really understand right then and there, just how much of a, like how divisive this thing was going to be, which obviously continued, which is obviously fanned by our, the flames are fanned by our, our president. Um, so it's just been really hard and it's just, it, it's been hard in the sense that it's just been so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to sound so blunt, but I'm like, I just can't believe how fucking stupid people are. I hope it's okay. I just said that. It's yes, but, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. I just like, I, I, I've, and, and that, that's probably when you add, go back to your social media question earlier, that's been my thing of being like, okay, I'm not tweeting about this. I'm not tweeting about, and then I just get so inflamed. I'm like, Nathan Peters, men was signed again, what? And then I, I, I put something out there because I just can't help myself. And then it's just, it's so much hate. And it just, it's, it's, it, it has, a, and, and I mean, just thinking about Kaepernick's saga and how he was banished from the NFL. I've, I've also, um, had some sort of side conversations with his mom. So getting her perspective 
throughout um, has been very um, heartening to, to just kind of see what their whole family is to go through and kind of think of that from the mother perspective of like you know half of this country saying these just horrific things about your child who's actually doing all you know all of this good so so that's been really hard and then fun what's been fun <laughs> there's gotta oh, be this yes. actually this act yeah this actually um well it was just it's, I guess it's not really a story per se, but back in my booking days, um, right when I was starting out and had this, this talent producer thing, somehow I got to go to a, a movie junket and I hadn't done anything like this, right? Like right. not even close. Um, I thought it was cool to just, you know, be covering Giants games, but I got to fly out to Palm Springs and um, interview George Clooney. So, oh, that that's very fun. fun. That was fun. Yeah. I would just say like that. And, you know, I get to cover Michelle Obama event, like just kind of more pockets of people I've, I've been able to book or talk to, but I wouldn't say there's a necessarily like a full storyline mm-hmm. that I would put in that category, but I have been able to interface with pretty cool people. Well, yourself I- included. Oh, well, thank you. Well, isn't that nice? You're going to put me in the same category as Michelle Obama. I'm all into it. <laughs> um, not that you did, but I just, that's how I'm going to choose. I, I to think inter- I did, actually. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to interpret yeah. it that way either way, and it's going to carry me right through the rest of the week, really. Let's be honest. Um, all right. So let's talk, since we're on a podcast, let's talk podcasting. You have the Football Girl podcast, and you have the Football Date Night podcast with your husband, who is uh, a much maligned Bears fan. And I only say that because he is a Bears fan. I don't know anything else about him being maligned, but just because he is a Bears fan, I know that that is not, it's not an easy path in life, at least not in football life. So if you could talk a little bit about starting a podcast, kind of how, you know, how it started, what you learned, and then how the Football Date Night podcast um, evolved, because I, I do love that one too. Oh, thanks. Well, that's it's actually questionable whether it's going to be back, but I think maybe you'll help push it over the edge because yes. my my husband, the, the football date night, I guess I'll, I'll kind of start at the end and, and backtrack. That was born out of a, um, he thought the Bears were going to be bad the year they, uh, the, the Cody Parkey. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> and he said, you know, I know I'm married to you. I know my Sunday. I know like our kid had just started playing fantasy. He's like, I don't even want to watch football this year. The Bears are going to be, they're just, ugh, they're going to be terrible. Um, I need something to keep me engaged. So I was like, I'll just podcast with you every night. At least it'll force me to watch the game. And then the Bears were this super fascinating team. And Cody Parkey happened. But then last year happened. And Trubisky yeah. did not take those incremental steps that he was supposed to. So <laughs> without fully throwing my husband under the bus, uh, which I guess <laughs> I'm about to do, he's a little bit of a fair weather fan. And well, fair. <laughs> fair. I know it's hard. It's hard to be, to be dedicated, but his interest in doing the podcast is basically going to be based on how well the bears do. That's well, pretty I- pathetic. I feel like he kind of, I mean, now we're really going to pressure him into it, but I feel like (laughs) he has to do it because just at least in the beginning, because it's going to be kind of interesting, like Trubisky beat out Foles, 
Um, yeah, which is quarterback still, battle of the century. I mean, of the century. I think you've nailed it right there. Of the century. <laughs> and I am curious to see how long Trubisky stays QB1. Um, so it might be worth doing the podcast just to follow that storyline, unless he's QB1 all year and, again, doesn't take any of those incremental steps, and then he's just like, I'm done. Which Yeah, but my husband doesn't like to – you know, doesn't like the toughness, doesn't like that character building that comes with like, oh, I just have to be tortured watching this guy just let the grips of, of being the starter mm. slip out of his hand. Like he, he doesn't, he's a little tired of being the guy. He's a little tired of like the Packers fans being like, oh, I like this podcast because you're a pathetic Bears fan husband. It's just sad again. Well, so, so I was, I was right on much maligned. I was, yeah. I, I nailed oh, that yeah. <laughs> Spot on, spot on. So if he's willing to play the part of a sad Bears fan, then, then we will we will be back. Um, the football girl is much simpler, <laughs> less, <laughs> less emotional venture. <laughs> you Fair. know, it just it made. Yeah, I started it a couple years ago. It made sense. I like to talk. I like to talk to people. I don't like sitting in my house by myself every day, not talking to people. And I wanted to provide a very much to mimic what I was doing with the website, provide an outlet. You know, there's so much greatness happening with, with women emerging in the NFL and coaching ranks and scouting ranks and media ranks. And there's just so many smart women that are often treated as the accessory, the mm-hmm. ones to moderate a conversation between, you know, former players that really know football. Right. And right. I, I just kind of thought that there was a little bit of like BS to what, the reality of our media world is. So I just really wanted to provide a platform where be it a team reporter, a, a you know, national media person, a, you know, a woman who's coaching that played football, you know, just to have real in-depth football conversations um, about, I mean, it could be about like the games that happened or more so, you know, pushing the societal boundaries. We definitely go there or, or just really profiling um, the, the women, like get, getting to know them better. And um, it's been great. And, you know, sometimes I will, you know, I kind of, I kind of took this philosophy with the football girl. Um, again, if I was a better business person, maybe I wouldn't have, but like, just to just be authentic to what I want. So sometimes, yes, I will, I might want to talk to a man about a certain thing, uh, but I do try to mostly to try to use it as a place to, to spotlight all the, you know, super smart women that are under the NFL's umbrella. Which is fantastic. I mean, that's a little bit, um, what would get my job, it's, we're doing it, you know, in sports generally, but I think it's important because there isn't that for women in sports as much, right. you know, as there is for men. So I think it's important and I commend you because it is a great podcast and um, there are a lot of amazing women under the NFL umbrella that should be celebrated and should be taught, taught about, taught about. Is that right? <laughs> I, I make that. I think I pretty much just made up a phrase there. Taught about. Uh, you're welcome, guys. But we should be lear- we should be learning about. There we go. Um, and, and, you know, hearing what women have to say, which like you said, isn't always the case. So I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in sports, what would it be? think it's, if, if I'm talking about my own path and what I learned is just not to expect to follow any particular path. Um, I'm, 
don't don't get behind with the times when there's new technologies, new social media channels. Try, just try to stay on top of everything. There's always new things out there. Um, and well, if, you, if you're going to go work for a company, and I do, I do recommend that starting out. It's really hard to just, you know, make a splash. People do it all the time. But if you can get that work, a little bit of that work experience and having mentors um, and then just, you know, apply that to, 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 your own if you do something entrepreneurial like like you and I are doing um just to yeah make sure you're you're on top of things and you know teaching yourself new skills or graphic work or whatever it is so so you're because it because it is competitive and someone will be someone someone will, will will topple you I guess if you don't but but also you know I think just just the mentorship like finding people out there just saying hi to somebody you admire and like, if you ever have a chance to, to chat, I want to, I'd love to hear about your job. You know, maybe it'll lead to something. Maybe it's just good advice you get from that person. Just a, a great 15 minute experience for you. Who knows? Uh, that's, I think people, especially now with COVID and everyone just kind of not traveling as much. Like I, I know that I love it. If somebody reaches out to me and says, I, I, I want to hear about your career. I mean, I'm loving talking to you right now. Um, but for someone really starting out like that, that's, there's such an honor to, to receive something that says, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have this specific dilemma or I'm, I'm debating. I mean, I had someone recently, like just even I'm trying to name my podcast, like here's some choices. I'd love to hear what you think. And you know, it wasn't asking me specifically for like broad career advice, but that's somebody just even then, like, she's memorable now. I'm like, I want to listen to her podcast. I want to help her promote it just because mm -hmm. she cared about my opinion. So reach out to, to people in the industry and, you know, they will give back to you. Have you had a mentor in your career? I mean, I technically had one at, at ESPN. Her name is Tina Thornton. She's still there. And she's some head honcho of, I don't even know at this point, but she was, she was amazing. I mean, I've just had a lot of, bosses um back you know early on that kind of helped me grow up because I started all of this so young right mm -hmm. um and I, I'm not one of these people that was just like 21 going on 40 <laughs> I was right? 21 and I was 21 so you know like I want to tone it down in the locker room or, you know just just little things like that or just you know just just don't just don't work every second so it's just I, I don't have a specific person to point out other than the one I just did, but yeah, that would be just just, just general advice on how to grow up while succeeding in media. I like that though. That's good. That's good general advice. Um, yeah. How have you seen opportunities grow for women in the sports industry and how do you think we can still improve? Oh, it's, I mean, opportunities have grown exponentially. Like even in the last five years, I certainly think, you know, the internet and social media yeah. has just created ample opportunities. If, if you're, if you're smart, if you have something to say and you're smart, I mean, you can, you can create a brand for yourself. It's really, really about brand building. You could get discovered. That That's the thing. Like I wrote something 
that I didn't think anyone read. I mean, I knew some people read it because you see Google Analytics, but I wrote something that <laughs> I didn't think anybody, you know, of note read, I guess. And it turned out some executive ESPN had read it. And that's why they called me and wanted me to work at ESPNW. Like I, but I got hired at Sports Illustrated. They reached out to me because the person who would become my boss heard me on a podcast talking about sort of what my ambitions were moving forward and was intrigued. And, and I don't think that podcast even exists anymore. Like it wasn't some, you know, massive podcast. So you just don't really know where your opportunities are going to come from. Um, I know Mina Kimes, for example, like she mm-hmm. had wrote this amazing piece about how Seahawks uh, fandom connected her and her father, like on her personal Tumblr and then Slate picked it up. ESPN hired her and that's all history, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the the opportunities are, are definitely there if you just are have something to say and then you just don't know who's who's listening. Um, but yeah, in terms of of I mean, Mina is an exception in terms of a woman who has a massive platform who and she's brilliant, deserves everything she she has, uh, but having that platform to actually talk football, not be the accessory. Um, I still think it's the inherent or base view is of, of executives is that's not the traditional role for women. So it's really getting more minorities, women in those, those hiring roles that are smart and know that they could have done maybe this type of thing, but were never viewed in that way. And now will they view all their peers this way. So therefore you, you would start seeing more diversity in the ranks, be it, you know, TV folk or who your slate of writers is going to be for a particular publication. That makes sense. That's good. I'm glad you brought up Mina because um, I think she has a great, she really is a great example though of the way we're seeing things grow. And she is absolutely brilliant. Uh, she is a brilliant writer and she's very smart football mind. And she's very funny and has a cute dog. Yeah. That's just an yeah. aside. <laughs> um, yeah, she is. So, um, but I think those are really all excellent points and important points in how we are seeing things grow and change. And you're right. In the last five years, they've changed dramatically and it's going to just, I think we'll just keep going that way. I can't wait to see where we are five years from today. Like it's, it's going to be incredible. I hope. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of fives, it's time <laughs> for five fun facts. Ooh, didn't Jimmy Garoppolo do this? Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo has done it. Uh, multiple 49ers players. I know, I know, I know you can get everyone off the Niners. Bob Lang but has done it. Bob Lang has done it. Dan Beckler had done it back in the day. Uh, but yeah, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo was a, was a big, exciting one for everyone. We do it a little bit differently on this podcast because on this podcast we ask everyone the same five questions and we always get five pretty different answers which is pretty cool um but yep you and jimmy g melissa you and jimmy g uh so with that i present five fun facts all right melissa what is your favorite moment in sports well in the last uh 10 years it's got to be the 2000 12, 2011, 2012 divisional game, 49er Saints, Alex Smith, uh, the catch too. I still get chills when I think about it. That was an incredible game. I mean, that whole, the whole thing was, was amazing. Yeah. Um, 
I was watching it in a sports bar at the time with a Saints fan who found oh. it to be a different experience than I was having, but I was super into it. <laughs> um, it's good for them for a while. Yeah, for a while it was. Yeah, moments. Uh, what is your life motto? I would say, this is kind of basic, but have fun and eat lots of avocados. That is a spectacular life motto. All the avocados. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. That's a real, I actually don't think that's basic. That, that's fantastic. Um, do you have a go-to workout? Yeah, I like kickboxing uh, the oh. most. But as you know, Tracy, I also go on Peloton for efficiency. But I'm loving uh, the outdoor Peloton where they talk to you in your ear while you're running. That's probably my favorite of, of their slate of workouts. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really fun. And I had no idea that you were into kickboxing. This is great. Yeah. I like, well, I like I'm that. I'm always angry at people. So I like the idea of fake punching things, but not, I would never actually do it in real life. But that's the beauty of kickboxing. Exactly. That's, that's the great part about it. Do you have a go-to coffee order? Yeah. Oat milk latte. Mm, if I just good. had worked out, it would be oat milk, uh, lavender latte. That sounds delicious. Throw in some of that sugary syrup. Oh, yeah. That sounds really, really good. Um, and then last, a book every woman should read. Oh, this is hard because I don't read like, you know, what do they say? Chiclet or whatever. Uh, but I am reading Untamed right now. Oh, by so Jonathan good. Doyle, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I think probably sings to every woman. Um, so, yeah. I would I would say untamed just because it's singing to me right now. And I think I think there's something in there for everyone. I agree. It's such a great book. And actually, um, Sarah Spain was on last week and we we talked about it then too. It it is a fantastic book, and I think there is something for every woman. So um it is an excellent, excellent recommendation. Melissa, this was really fun. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. This was great. Absolutely. So you guys don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody next week. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.